Well, welcome to Genesis. Uh, I will add my welcome. Glad you guys are here. Uh, been coming for a while, or today's your first day. Thanks for coming to visit. Uh, as Kyla mentioned, uh, we started a series called Ask. And uh, if this is new to you, uh, over the summer, uh, we basically had a website where you could anonymously submit any question that you wanted to ask. Uh, no name attached, no any of that. And so uh, there's roughly about 7,500 questions that came in, uh, questions that have to do with theology, questions that have to do with apologetics, questions that have to do with uh, culture and things like that. Um, and so uh, this morning, we continue uh, this series. And my heart for the entire series, I'm going to say this every week, uh, is that we would see God. Uh, this series was not intended just to be uh, I asked a question, I got my answer, and I can move on in life. Uh, our heart was that you'd actually get to see God in the midst of the questions that you're asking, because there's lots of people who are asking questions, but not everyone who asks questions actually gets to see God. Uh, and so the series is not designed just to be a bunch of answers, because uh, what if we do if we have all the answers, but we still don't see God in the midst of our questions? Uh, we may have gained answers, but we've lost everything else. And so uh, that has been our heart, is that we would see God. And uh, last week, um, uh, we talked about how God often, not always, but often uses things like suffering and trials and storms and just hard things in our life to actually reach us, to help us to see Him. Not the only way, but certainly a primary way. And uh, I just, again, wanted to say thanks to Ricky and Amanda Howard, who last week just shared their story, and it's their ongoing story, uh, with their son, Mac, and when he was diagnosed uh, at one years old with cancer, and, and all that they've had to go through, but also all that they've got to see God do in the midst of hard times and storms. And uh, last week, specifically, we prayed uh, that Mac had some tests uh, coming up uh, this past week on Tuesday uh, to see how is he doing, and uh, his test came back all Great. Uh, I, I wouldn't say positive, but positive, right? Or, or negative, whatever you say. But uh, he is 18 months cancer-free, and so uh, we're thankful for that. We're excited for that, um, and we will continue to do what we talk about. Never stop praying. Uh, this morning, uh, the questions that we're talking about uh, are this. Uh, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit still available today, uh, as they were at Pentecost? Uh, I'm only going to share a few of the questions because there's lots of questions around the same topic. Uh, here's another question. Where does Genesis stand on being filled with the Holy Spirit as evidenced uh, by speaking in tongues? Uh, I'm not sure if I am filled with the Holy Spirit because I can't speak in tongues. But my parents can uh, and have been in several other churches uh, where most of the congregation is able to speak in tongues. So I know it's real, but does anyone in our church speak in tongues? Do you speak in tongues, Michael? Uh, another question that came in, the Bible is full of miracles, fantastic events. Uh, why have these stopped happening? Uh, so that's just three questions, but there was many questions that came in around the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and who He is, and what He does, and, and how it all works. And uh, I'm looking at the questions that have come in on this topic, and sadly, this has been one of the most uh, divisive and controversial uh, topics in churches. Uh, and so I don't say this uh, lightly, um, I just know from personal experience and a lot of people that I've walked with throughout the years, uh, I wanted to say I'm sorry. And what I mean when I say I'm sorry is I know that uh, there are some people who have been incredibly uh, hurt uh, because of some really bad teaching or bad examples on the Holy Spirit. 
and it's just left a really, uh, not just horrific taste in your mouth, but it has left you somehow feeling like you're less of a person or less of a Christian or you're not that spiritual because you've heard or it's been said that if, if you have the Spirit, you're going to do this and this and this, and if you can't do this, this, and this, uh, that you're somehow either missing God or God's just holding out on you. Uh, and so, again, I know it might not mean much coming from me because you might not know me, but uh, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Because I have a lot of friends uh, who have been in different communities, different situations where it has just left them really hurt. And when I think about the Spirit of God that God's given to us, this is something that should not cause division and controversy and confusion and brokenness and just hurt and pain. It actually should be something that we smile about. And it's just something that brings great joy to the life that God's given us to live. But I just know it, it always hasn't happened that way in people's lives. Um, if uh, God has given us something in his spirit, then it would certainly make most sense to say, well, God, this is your spirit that you've given us. Help us to understand. And so I wanted to give you a challenge of sorts. And my challenge as we start is rather than allow your ideas or your thoughts about the Holy Spirit to be formed or shaped by some guy in a, in a white suit that you saw on TV, uh, or rather than your ideas and thoughts be about the Spirit of God be formed by your experience or your lack of experience, uh, I just wanted to encourage you, uh, let's just look at the Word of God and ask the question, well, what does God actually have to say to us about His Spirit? And so rather than letting your experiences or lack thereof or let someone else and what they're doing or not doing shape your relationship with the Spirit of God, let's consider this morning, well, what does God actually say to us about His Spirit? And I wanted to give you, uh, before I answer these questions, uh, what I would say is crucial truths in understanding what does the Bible actually say about God's Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit. And number one would be this. Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead, the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead, the Trinity. The Holy Spirit thinks, acts, feels, speaks, relates. He's personal. He's not some impersonal ghost. He's not some impersonal force. He's not Star Wars. It's not like we live in this universe, and I love Star Wars, but the Holy Spirit is not the force. It's not this abstract being just kind of, I don't know, randomly floating out there and floats sometimes into your life and sometimes floats out. It doesn't, that's not who the Holy Spirit is. And for me personally at Genesis, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God, fully divine. He is eternal, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's holy. And so he's not just a part of God, like a, a small section of God. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, a second thing that we believe uh, it's helpful to understand about these questions is the Holy Spirit is a gift from God given to all who confess Jesus is God. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is a gift. And when I say gift, I mean you can't do something to get the Spirit or more of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God given to all who confess Jesus as God. Let me say it this way. If you're a Christian, you have all of the Spirit of God. If you're a Christian, and how I'm defining Christian is that you have confessed that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can even know God, have relationship with God, that you've confessed Jesus is God's Son. He's Lord, Savior, and King. Well, you're a Christian. And if you're a Christian, Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit. And not just some of it or part of it or a little bit on occasion. He's given you the full Holy Spirit. 
uh, John 14, uh, this is Jesus speaking. He says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. And that's really crucial because there is people who have asked the questions, well, there's probably things that I can do to lose, lose the Holy Spirit. You, you can't lose the Holy Spirit. You can't lose the Holy Spirit. You didn't find the Holy Spirit. You can't lose the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is given to you. Why? Well, if you place your faith in him, he's given you the Spirit to live the life he wants you to live. John 14, again, I will ask the Father who will give you another advocate will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. I share this as an important aspect of teaching on the Holy Spirit because I would love for all of us to die to this idea that by doing certain things in my life, I can get more of the Holy Spirit in my life. That if I'm just more spiritual, if I read or pray or go to church or serve, or I'm just, I can somehow get more of what's already fully in me in me. And I would love for us to die to this idea that there are things that we can do where I'm going to start like leaking the Holy Spirit and there's just parts of him over there and part... Jesus has given you in full the Spirit. There is nothing you could ever do right now that would somehow get more of the Spirit in you. And to me, this has been really helpful and encouraging and freeing to remind myself that I have been given the Holy Spirit by Jesus in full, not in part. And so part of the joy of learning how to live in a Spirit-filled life is learning how to live in the Spirit that's already in me, not that I have to live in a certain way to get Him in me. Uh, A.W. Tozer said it really well, helpful book called Mystery of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. So just be hopefully encouraged that if you're a Christian, you have all of the Holy Spirit right now. You're not going to get more of it by the end of this service. And you're not going to get more of it by that you have the full Holy Spirit Uh, The last truth I would share with you on this is the Holy Spirit desires to do more with you than you could ever imagine. The Holy Spirit desires to do more with you than you could ever possibly imagine. And we have questions and we talk about things like gifts and we get really focused on the gifts rather than the Spirit of God that is living within us and the things that he wants to do with us, through us, because he resides in us. And so this is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 it says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just want you to just consider that for a moment. If it's true that the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead has been given to you by Jesus and resides in you, one would think that the life that we're living would somehow be a little bit different. And I'm not like talking about like, you know, being weird. <laughs> I'm talking about if the Spirit of God really lives in you, really resides in who you are, well, one would think that the life that we live every single day, every single moment would just look a little bit different if it's true. One of the things that is just really challenging and convicting to me with this one verse is I have to wrestle with how much of what I actually do in my life is just done in my own strength and how much of what I do in my life is actually done because the Spirit of God lives within me and is living through me. And if I'm just honest with you, uh, I'm convicted a lot of how often it's just me getting through, gutting through, relying on my own strength, talents, abilities to just get through whatever it is I need to get through. 
And so I ask the question, if it's true that the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit that raised Jesus back to life lives within me, then let's just be honest and say, well, gosh, then if Christians, shouldn't we be living a little bit differently if that Spirit really resides in us? And so I ask the question, well, why don't we look different? I'm not talking about being weird and freaky and just being a sideshow. I'm talking about why as Christians don't we look a little bit different if the Spirit resides? And I wrote it down in my journal like this. Our lives will either be lived trusting in what we can do or learning to trust in what the Spirit of God in us wants to do. And so I know for me that when I'm not seeing a difference, I can always just come back to what's because you're trying to do it on your own. It's you're trying to just gut through. Uh, John 15, uh, Jesus said this in verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them, he remains in us through his spirit, will produce much fruit for apart apart from me you can do nothing. And we can either live our lives trying to prove that Jesus was wrong, and often we do. We live our lives trying to prove just how much we can actually accomplish on our own. But Jesus says, but apart from me, you can't do anything. You can't, apart from me, there's not going to be fruit. There's not going to be lasting and meaningful fruit in our lives. That comes from the Spirit of God that's been given to us, that lives within us. Again, these are, uh, to me, helpful in uh, understanding these things as I think through these questions. Holy Spirit is God, not a piece or part of God, but is God. Holy Spirit's a gift. I can't earn it. And the Holy Spirit desires to do more with you than you could ever possibly imagine. Again, I, I'm going to realize, or I'm going to guess that maybe for many of you, that's not new. Uh, but if we're honest, so many of us live very confused as it relates to who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Um, and I just, again, just being very honest with you, sometimes if you've been a Christian for any length of time, uh, specifically a little bit longer, we forget how crazy this sounds. We forget how weird it sounds. If you're not a Christian, if you don't have a relationship with God, but yet you're trying to figure out these things, can I just say that it is weird. If you're a non-Christian, you have no church background, spiritual background, and you hear someone telling you, wait, the spirit of what is going to come and he's going to do, he's, he's, he's living in me? Okay, well, how does that work? What does that look like? So when we have conversations about this, we need to have conversations about the Holy Spirit uh, and be very generous and be very gentle and be very gracious, but also be very truthful and say the Spirit is God, not a part or a piece. We can't earn it. It's a gift that's given. And the Holy Spirit wants to do amazing things in our lives and through our lives. And so the question uh, that came in was this. Are the gifts of the Holy Spirit still available today as they were at Pentecost? Uh, Where does Genesis stand on being filled with the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues? Uh, In a few different places in Scripture, I'm just going to read a few. I'm not putting these on the screen. I just want you to hear it, Uh, that when somebody has the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives gifts. And here are some of the gifts, not exhaustive, but some of the gifts. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Uh, through eight. It says, in his grace, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, well, speak uh, out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, um, is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, well, then teach well. 
If your gift is to encourage others, we'll be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, well, then guess what? We'll do it. This is uh, another list in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, just read uh, a few verses. Start at verse uh, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, and I want you to hear this, so we can help each other. The Spirit gives gifts not so we can sit around and be impressed with the gifts that we have and say, look at me. It says the spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one Spirit uh, gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some, uh, someone else the ability to discern uh, whether that message is from the Spirit of God or another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So the Holy Spirit gives people gifts, and all of the gifts that he gives will be very different. Um, the question that was asked, though, is, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit still available today? And yes, they are, all of them. For me personally and for Genesis, we believe that all of the gifts, and I know in your mind you're thinking, well, what about the freaky ones? Like, what about the weird ones? Like, I'm cool with the gift of faith or leadership or the gift of, uh, of hospitality and kindness. I like those gifts. But what about the gifts of, like, people speaking prophetically or, or people speaking in tongues or, or dreams. What, yes, we believe that all of the gifts are given by the Spirit of God to whoever the Spirit wants to give those gifts, but all of them are still alive. Now, another way theologically to say this is Genesis is not a sensationist church. Uh, sensationist is just a, a theological term, and this is how you would define it. Someone who believes that certain spiritual gifts, typically those of a more overtly spiritual nature, ceased, meaning they stopped, uh, in the church sometime late in the first century. Genesis and me personally, we would not be a sensationist church. Uh, we believe that all of the gifts are still alive and well, and God is, through His Spirit, giving people gifts. Now, I also want to be very careful to say that there are some very thoughtful Christians who would believe completely differently. And I would never say, well, you're, you're a heretic. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, I would never personally say, man, Jonathan Edwards, you're a great revivalist and one of the best theologians that this country has ever seen, but you're a heretic. This is what Jonathan Edwards said. Since the canon of Scripture has been completed and the Christian church fully founded and established, these extraordinary gifts have ceased. So there are other Christians who would say something differently. And I understand why he would say those things, but I would also thoughtfully say that's just not where I'm at. That's not where our church is at. I believe that all of the gifts given by the Spirit of God for the people of God to accomplish the work of God are still alive and very well. So that being said, Genesis, not a sensationist church. We believe all of the gifts from the Holy Spirit are for today. And I've already said this, but it's, it's not just for you. The gifts are for others. The gifts are for 
given by the Spirit of God are for us to help other people see how great God is. The gifts are not just for us, for our benefit. They are to be used to bless, to encourage, to build up, to help others see God so that they could walk with God. The question was, are the gifts still available uh, that were present at Pentecost? So I'm already answering the question, yes, but I wanted to at least dive in a little bit deeper. Well, what gifts actually happened at Pentecost? Because uh, that was a very thoughtful question of like, there were gifts at Pentecost, and so are they still here today? And if you're not familiar with Pentecost, uh, Pentecost is really just the fulfillment that Jesus promised something was going to happen, and Pentecost is when it did happen. And what Jesus promised was going to happen is that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to reside, to live within men and women who were followers, who were Christians. Uh, it says in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus speaking, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. He's talking to his disciples, because if I don't, the advocate, the spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And another place in Jesus speaking in Acts uh, chapter one, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus told those that were following him, listen, I'm going away. I'm ascending to be back with God the Father in heaven, but I am sending a, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, that will live within you, that will remind you of the life that I want you to live and help you accomplish all that I've given you to accomplish. And so Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came. And what's amazing when you read the story in Acts chapter 2, it had quite a profound impact. When the Holy Spirit came, it's a fulfillment of a promise that Jesus had. This is how the story goes in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire uh, appeared and settled on each of them. Now, before I read the rest of it, that sounds crazy. That sounds weird. Let me just ask, have you ever seen something so profound, so beautiful, that it was just hard even using words to describe what you were seeing? Uh, this past uh, summer, uh, I traveled with a small team from Genesis to, to France uh, to, to visit the church we're helping to plant. Uh, and I'd never been to France, I'd never been to the Alps, and when I saw them, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't even really put words to like how beautiful it was. Uh, and so I look at uh, Luke, who's, who's penning these words in Acts chapter 2, and I just wanted you to, to catch this phrase, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire, he's struggling to even put words behind what he's seeing, but he's seeing that the Spirit of God has shown up in a very powerful way. Uh, and then it says this, then what looked like flames, tongues of fire appeared, settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, not just some people, not just a few people, not just like the really good people. Everyone present who was Christians uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Holy Spirit shows up and they start speaking in languages that are not their own. Uh, and who gave them that ability? Well, the Spirit of God that came and is now within them. So the question is, well, gosh, what's really happening? They're speaking in a different language. What's going on? 
And the simple answer is, well, the Holy Spirit was enabling them to do something that they never would have been able to do on their own because what was happening at Pentecost is there were thousands and thousands of people who were gathering in Jerusalem for this festival. And the Spirit of God wanted to use the people of God to introduce more people who did not know Jesus to Jesus. And it goes on in Acts chapter 2, verse 5. At that time, devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And when they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God's done. So someone who could not speak a certain dialect began speaking in a certain dialect, so the person who actually spoke that dialect would understand the wonderful things that God had done. Is that weird? A little bit. Is that crazy? A little bit. Is it awesome that God would enable someone by his spirit to accomplish something that they would never normally be able to do so that somebody else would hear how awesome God is? That's pretty awesome. And this is what happened at Pentecost. The spirit of God enabled these men and women to accomplish the very mission that Jesus said. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to witness You're going to testify. You're going to speak to people about how great God is. These people don't speak this language. I'll take care of that. I don't think, and again, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think the disciples woke up and had a prayer meeting that morning, and they're like, all right, well, listen, we got a bunch of foreigners here that don't speak our language, so let's pray that we're going to somehow speak their language that we've never heard or really learned I think what simply happened is these men and women who were following Christ simply prayed, God, would you allow us by your spirit uh, to accomplish what you want us to do today? Because there's thousands of people that have gathered uh, that we want to share how great Jesus is. So will you enable us to do that? And the spirit of God did. So the question was asked, does this still happen today? Does this Pentecost, this example of not knowing a language, speaking a language that someone else can understand, the God, does it still happen today? I'll give you two answers. Uh, it's never happened to me. It's never been my personal experience that I have been able to speak in a foreign language that I previously did not know that language. And by the way, when I was in France, I was praying like crazy that it would. I was sitting next to a woman who was, as best as she could in her broken English, explained to me that she had just been recently divorced, abusive relationship, and I had no help around me of being able to articulate uh, something to encourage and to comfort her. In that moment, I was praying like crazy. I don't know how to speak French. French, I can't even say French, apparently. So God, will you help me? So I've prayed for that. God didn't answer that prayer for whatever reason. But has it happened? Absolutely. The woman I get to see every single day, it happened to her. She, Kyla, my wife, lived in Albania for two years. And her first week in Albania, she didn't know Albanian. Part of the trip was, you're going to be a missionary, go live in the culture and go learn the language. And so she knew enough Albanian to say, hello, how are you, you know, that kind of thing. But her first week in Albania, she's sitting down, she's ministering to college students, sitting across the table from a college student who spoke absolutely no English. But Kyla could tell that this woman had so many questions about why a blonde hair American woman would be in her country. 
and she wanted to know more about God. And so God enabled Kyla to speak full Albanian, so much so, like conversational Albanian, enough to explain biblical truths, explain the full message of the gospel that this young college student prayed to receive Christ. And Kyla's sitting there the whole time like, I have no idea (laughs) how these words are coming out of my mouth, but they're connecting with this woman in such a way where she's understanding how great God is. So does that still happen? Absolutely it still happens. But I, I don't want you to get lost on this. Whatever God calls you to accomplish by his spirit, he'll empower and enable you to do it. And when we start having conversations about that gift, that gift, this gift, we're completely missing the point of he's called us to be Christ-like, and he's given us his spirit to empower us to be Christ-like. And Jesus gave us something to do, and the something he gave us to do was to tell other people about him, and he will enable you every day of the week to do what he wants you to do. So our focus should not be on the gift, but on the spirit who gives what we need to accomplish what he's given us to do. What about uh, the other tongues? Because this was a question that came up, like the the weird ones, the freaky ones, the ones that sound an awful lot like gibberish. And depending on your church background and experience, you've maybe been in an environment where you're like, wow, that person just sounds like they're babbling. What on earth is going? And then someone just profoundly says, well, well, that's a tongue. And you're like, well, I don't, what does that even mean? So I want to address, because the question came up, what about the other kind of tongues, the kind of tongues uh, that the scriptures would describe as very much a prayerful, heavenly language? And let me go back to how I answered the question already. I believe that all of the gifts are still alive today, not just some of them. I'm not going to say that, well, the, the foreign language tongue, that's still available, but the other one that just doesn't makes, that one's gone. All of the gifts that are given by the Spirit are still alive today. The Apostle Paul uh, teaches a lot on the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. This is what he says. Let your love be the highest goal. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 14. Let your love be your highest goal. Let, your, let love be your highest goal. I, I'm repeating myself because I want you to hear the heart that the Paul is teaching is loving one another, loving one another, not using gifts to hurt each other, to discourage each other, but loving one another. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For you have the ability to speak in tongues, well, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So Paul is saying, yes, there are tongues. There are tongues that are mysterious. There are tongues that God understands. So does that still happen? Absolutely. But I love what Paul says as he goes on in this passage. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. And he's not prideful and boasting. He's like, I'm thankful that God's given me this gift. But then he says this in a powerful way. But in a church gathering like this, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. You are loved by God. 
That's five words. Paul says, I would rather speak those five words than 10,000 words that would be at best a mystery. Why? Because the gifts are given to us by God to help other people see how great God is. So the question that was also asked, do all Christians speak in tongues? And I would say the answer is no. First Corinthians, Paul continues his teaching and says this, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Well, of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. I know it might not jump out to you in the grammar of how this is written, but it would be kind of similar to me saying, are the the Colts going to win tonight? Well, of course they're not going to win. Just the way that I asked the question, (laughs) of course the implied answer is no, they're not going to. Are the Colts going to win? No, of course they're not going to win. And this is Paul's, the grammar that he is using. Are we all apostles? No, you're not. Are you all going to have the ability to do miracles? No, you're not. Well, some of you, yeah. Are we all able to speak in tongues? No, we're not. Some, yes. And so my point is, do all Christians speak in tongues? And I would say no. I would say no. And I wanted to be clear on that because I know some of you have, may have heard or been told along the way that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. So I'll answer the question for me because it was asked, well, what about you, Michael? Do you speak in tongues? Do you speak in a heavenly, mysterious, prayerful language? And here's my answer. I never have. 43 years old. I've never in my entire life have ever spoken in tongues. Now, for some of you, you just heard me say that and you're disappointed. And your immediate reaction is like, I can't believe our pastor's never spoken in tongues. How unspiritual could he possibly be? That's so disappointing. That's so discouraging. And you're bummed. I'm just being honest. I know that some of you are going to think like that. And on the other side of the table, there are some of you who are like, yes, I was so hoping he was not like in his office, like gibbering to himself. Like, I don't want a pastor who is like really freaky. He kind of holds himself together well publicly, but privately he's like, he's weird. Now, both of those responses are absolutely not helpful. Both of those are hurtful. And both of those are incredibly divisive. Uh, because it's those types of responses that we can have that really leave people discouraged. Are there people who speak, uh, Genesis, who speak in tongues? Absolutely. And I'm thankful for that. I don't look at a person who speaks in a tongue and I'm like, wow, you, are you, you're so stinking spiritual. I don't look at that person as, wow, you're so much better than me. I'm thankful that if God has given them that gift, then I'm thankful for that. I celebrate that. I'm encouraged by that. I've prayed many times. God, if that's something you want to give me, then I want to receive that. I'm okay with that. And for whatever reason, God's never blessed me, given me, however you want to say it, the ability to speak in a mysterious tongue. 
But you know what? I'm okay with that. Do you know why? Because I'm not the author of the gift. I can't command or demand that, God, you must do this. He is the author of all gifts, not just certain gifts. He doesn't give some people the gift to speak in a mysterious tongue because he loves them more. Or they're like really super spiritual. Like they're like the heavy duty, hardcore, like make a doll Christian out of them. God is the author of all gifts. He is the author of all gifts. And as it's already been said, 1 Corinthians, this is what Paul said, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The spirit of God that's been given to us very generously and graciously gives gifts to all Christians, but all gifts are not the same. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that throughout this community here, there are many people who have so many different gifts than I do. I celebrate. I'm encouraged by that. I need that. Just like the gifts that God's given me, I hope you would celebrate and encourage. Michael, we're thankful for the gifts that God's given you. So I just, I wanted to be clear. He's the author. Again and again and again in Scripture, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is the author of all of the gifts. Now, I want to finish with, I guess, an invitation. And my invitation would be this, because it's one thing to talk about the Spirit of God, but still never really enjoy what the Spirit of God wants to do with you and through you and in your life. I didn't want this to be a conversation that you would walk away saying, well, I have a little bit more information and knowledge about theological thing called the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit has been given to Christians men and women who are followers of Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior, and King, he's been given to us for a very specific reason. But I also know that many people are not walking in light of the spirit that has been given to them. And so I wanted to give the invitation. And the invitation would just be this. When the spirit of God moves, follow. Too many of us are not seeing, experiencing, encountering the spirit of God in our lives Because when the Holy Spirit moves in our life, I don't want to do that. That's too hard. That's too complicated. That's too weird. That's too different. That's too challenging. That's too outside my comfort zone. And so often the same people who say, I really want to see more of the Spirit of God at work in my life are the same people who, when the Spirit says, challenges, leads, moves, encourages, are the same people. I don't want to do that. And so I just, if you want to see the Spirit of God who's already in you, at work through you, Well, when he moves, when he leads, when he speaks, and he does, follow. And so this is my prayer that I pray throughout the day. I don't start my day with this. I walk this prayer out throughout the day. Holy Spirit, if you want me to say something or do something that would communicate to someone else that God is real and that God cares, then I'm willing. That changes every restaurant I go into. That changes every store that I go into because I go into the store, I go into the restaurant, I go into wherever I'm going knowing that the Spirit of God might want to do something. And unless I'm asking, Holy Spirit, is there someone here that I I might be able to encourage? Is there somebody here that I might just be able to bless with just a kind word? There was the question of why don't miraculous events still happen? And I don't want to oversimplify this, but I would say a lot of the miracles that we're missing or not seeing is because we're not following. 
when the Spirit moves, when the Spirit speaks, when the Spirit leads. Uh, and by the way, it is often as simple as, hey, I just want you to pick up the phone and call that person and let them know that you love them and that you're praying for them and that you're thankful for them. I'm pretty confident the Spirit is not going to say, hey, I want you to pick up the phone and call that person and just gibber in their ear and then hang up and be like, ha ha. I'm pretty sure the Spirit wants to use gifts that he'll give you to bless people, to encourage people, so that people will catch a glimpse of how great it is to know God. So the invitation is not simple. It's challenging. When the Spirit of God invites you to do something, follow, and I promise you, you'll have fresh stories of how you got to see the Spirit of God at work in you, but how you got to see the Spirit of God at work through you. So, Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for just these moments, and they're brief. But, God, I just give thanks that we can gather for a time such as this. And, Holy Spirit, I give thanks that you do speak, that you do lead, that you do move in our lives. And, Holy Spirit, I would say I'm sorry for not always following what you want me to do in the life that you've given me to live. And so, Holy Spirit, pray for me. I pray for all of us here that when you speak, when you move, when you lead us, we would follow. I'm thankful that, Father God, you give us gifts by your Spirit in us to help. And so I pray we would help. God, you have given us so much, but you've given us your Spirit to be and to live the lives that you've called us to live. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that the gifts that you have given to each of us, and they're all different, I pray that we would use these gifts to bless people, to serve people, to love people, to encourage people. God, I pray that we would never use a gift that you've given us to hurt someone, to use it as a weapon in our hand. And God, for anyone here that has ever been at the receiving end of that, God, I pray that you would just bring healing. Where there's been hurt, would you bring healing?